When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group leading the successful campaign to change Labour's policy on Brexit and committing the party to a people's vote. My name is Steve Anglesey, my buddy Richard Porritt is not with me in the studio this week, he's gone metropolitan. He's currently between Liverpool and Birmingham, uh, where he's at the main party conference. He's going to be joining us on the phone uh, shortly to um, preview the Tories going to war. Uh, And he's also had a chat with Keir Starmer. He's got a bit of a man crush on Keir Starmer, as you you will find out, uh, I think. Um, uh, Keir Starmer, obviously, he got a standing ovation at the Labour conference um, when he said we should have a people's vote with Remain as one of the options. Other people at the Labour conference less keen on that, as you may have seen. Jerry Scott is joining me. Hello, Jerry. Hello, hello. She's going to be talking about that, and and later on I'm going to be asking her whether, despite all Keir Starmer's efforts, uh, Labour can be trusted to deliver on this people's vote, um, which uh, which Progress, of course, our, our new podcast sponsors, have worked so hard to um, to get the party to commit to. Before we get into all of that, Jerry, what else is, is going on in Brexit news? What's caught your eye in Brexit news this week? Yeah, there's still been stuff going on, haven't, hasn't there? Despite Labour conference kind of dominating yep. the headlines quite a bit, there is there is life outside Labour conference. Well, you say life, but <laughs> I mean it's not intelligent life. A lot of it, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, one of the bits that caught my eye was um, Nadine Dorries on um, she was on telly, wasn't she? With yeah, with um, with, yeah, with John Peston, with um, our editor at large, Alistair Campbell, as well was yes. there. Um, and she said this ridiculous thing that um, that Remainers are trying to weaponise the Irish border issue and that it's a red herring. Mm. And it's just ridiculous, isn't she? Um, isn't it? Isn't she? Both. Yeah. Um, she basically said um, that the Institute of Economic Affairs has produced a paper this week which showed quite clearly that this is being put forward as a red herring, which is being weaponised and is being used to obfuscate and make negotiations more difficult. And yeah. it's just laughable it really is because it's been a massive issue hasn't it and people in Ireland and Northern Ireland are really worried about this yes I think so she said it does not the issue does not exist <laughs> which is I mean I, I, I can't really get my head around this no she sort of said that modern technology that you know the, the whatever solution David Davis was was sort of uh, pimping when he was still in uh, in uh, in <laughs> Dexu uh, Dexu EU rather um Modern technology was going to monitor all the traffic and the goods going across the border, and of course we we know that this 
it doesn't even exist that technology yet. Of course it doesn't. And even if it did exist, you know what it's like. Would it work? Would it crash? Would it be reliable? I just I think that it's very much a um a bit of a you know don't worry this is all this is all under control where it's just not. There is a yeah I mean there's a great screen grab um, on <laughs> our version of this story on the New European website which I th- Nadine Doris is talking and Alistair Campbell I think has got his head in his hands. Complete or head in hands situation. He's, he's actually, um, and it is quite uh, it is quite remarkable uh, and it is it is a real it's a real thing and I was reminded that it's only a, a year ago that Nadine Doris was that we 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 saw some leaked whatsapp messages last october so it's just around a year ago now where she was sort of she didn't really know what the customs union was and she was saying you know if there are some countries that are that are outside the eu but they're in the customs union shouldn't we be in the customs union and then when it was all explained to her this was by a a sort of erg Uh, whatsapp group wasn't it it was i really i I loved all the all the um, screenshots from that whatsapp group just one after the other after the other wasn't it people who clearly have no idea what they're talking about but will happily get on their kind of soapbox and make these sweeping statements and pretend they do and she sort of said didn't she or i find this it's so all of this is so complicated we've just got to get out and I think she's now sort of saying all this Irish border stuff is so, so complicated, complicated it doesn't really exist yeah absolutely. What, what else is I mean we had some more of the um, we had some more of the government reports didn't we into what will happen in the event of no deal yeah in um, latest news from the apocalypse um, it's uh, <laughs> that planes flying to Europe from Britain could be grounded if we don't strike a strike a deal um, these reports basically said um you know, I remember this is not just planes either. School coach trips could be affected too. I remember going to France on a school coach trip in yes. year, year nine, full yeah. of full of full of happy memories. No more, no more of those for um, teenagers from Great Yarmouth. Um, but you'd have is... to go just to Great Yarmouth, oh. a very short coach trip. <laughs> just down, just down the uh, the A47. Um, but yeah, this is basically that airlines would lose the automatic right to operate air services between the UK and EU, and it's just another. You know, addition to the red tape that's going to be created if there's a no deal situation, isn't it? It's Which just, all of this was designed to get to rid get of the rid red of. tape or the EU's red tape. Exactly. Um, it's it's just mad to think that you know there's going to be all this extra extra forms to fill in, extra boxes to tick when it's so easy at the moment. It is so easy at the moment, and it will not be so easy. And of course. People like Dominic Raab said all this wouldn't happen. And he's actually still saying it wouldn't happen. And um, it's remarkable, Dominic Raab, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if you saw him on Andrew Marr Mm -hmm. on Sunday... But it is really rare in politics that a politician gives you an open goal. And it is rarer still that a politician sort of subs off his own goalkeeper, rolls the ball (laughs) towards his own goal... And then he stands there with a big sort of golf sail sign with a big arrow on it pointing to where the ball is resting invitingly on his own goal line but he said he was talking about Macron wasn't he saying that you know Macron had said people had told lies and he said to Andrew Marr if someone wants to point out something that I've said which is a lie feel free to do so now now, I mean he was a member of the vote leave campaigns campaign committee which met every week to set the organization strategy we send the EU three hundred and fifty million a week. No, we don't. We're going to use it to fund the NHS instead. No, we're not. He also said that in June twenty sixteen, 
Britain's immigration problem was going to increase further because Turkey were going to become members of the EU. That wasn't true. Or being lined up for membership. No, they weren't. They'd applied, but they weren't. They were told they weren't going to come in. He said that you could buy passports that would give you an automatic right to come into the EU because of free movement for €3,000 in Cyprus. There was a big scandal about that. Then we found out that you had to deposit €2.5 million Euros <laughs> to get one of these passports. So it's not going to be, you know, Joe Bloggs from Cyprus who wanted to come over. In 2017, he said on um, Victoria Derbyshire election show that according to the Trussell Trust, the typical person who uses a food bank is not someone languishing in poverty it's someone who has a cash flow problem and the Trussell Trust immediately produced its own data that showed 27% of referrals because of people whose benefit had been delayed or lost in the system or whatever 41% was down to longer term poverty so that wasn't true 2018 January is on question time there are more beds in the NHS than even ever before available Straight away, we discovered 17,000 fewer overnight beds than there were even in the first days of the 2010 Tory administration. And then in April, he said house prices had gone up 20% in 25 years because of immigration. We found out that that wasn't true based on a formula created by a quango that was abolished in 2010. Um, skilled, uh, the impact of skilled immigrants, another survey showed that was likely to be you know, less than uh, 1% uh, in house price rises. And then in and then in July, he said that he told Mar again, Bank of England have said that um, no deal would be worse for the EU side. He produced an analysis. It would be worse for the EU side. He then the next day had to admit that that wasn't true. And he would be that Bank of England thing had been talking about a tiny bit of financial services derivatives rather than the whole economic performance and on the 14th of September while I've concluded this rant Jerry um, he said that our teams are closing in on workable solutions to outstanding issues and six days later in Salzburg his boss was completely humiliated and he was proven to have said something that was untrue so what's that about calling him out when he's wrong I don't know (laughs) so if there are any you know if you can think of any Times when Dominic Roberts said anything. He'd love you to get in touch. That's untrue. Just, just get in touch because obviously, I, you know, we can't think of any here. Do you know anything else? Was there any other good news in all of these assessments? Do you know what um, was actually my favourite bit from the No Deal documents? If you can have a favourite, just the absolute ludicrousy of it yeah. is that food producers warned that geographical indications, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. these unique products like stilt and cheese and melt and mowbray pork pies, wouldn't be valid in the EU. It's brilliant. Isn't uh, it? the, don't take my pork pies away. Wooden boxes. Got it. <laughs> wooden boxes are going to be, have to be heated up. <laughs> When we get them, so if you ship your goods to to us in crates, we're go- they're going to have to heat blast the crates to make sure that they're not carrying pests. Yep, uh, pet owners are going to have to talk yeah. to vets more about whether they can take their animals abroad and things like that. Oh, and lorry drivers, this is going to be a hellish yeah, one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, we hear all that about down in Kent on the M26, like lorry drivers and turning that into a lorry park. And they're going to have new restrictions because there are a limited number of permits available to allow them to continue to work, which is just... <laughs> ridiculous it's amazing isn't it you know yeah. motorists are gonna have to have a green card to show that they've got third party motor insurance cover instead of just turning up and renting a car at the airport like you can now yeah absolutely and um tour oh. organizers who go over to the eu so talking about my school trip are gonna have to have an eu registered bus 
after March 29th to make sure they can still go abroad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then this plane thing. So, so there is no automatic. Obviously, we're going to have to do some kind of deal with the yeah. EU or individual EU countries to show that you know our planes can fly in between them. We're going to have to have a separate agreement if your if your plane stops in Paris and then goes on to Munich, you're going to have to have we're going to have to have a separate agreement, a bilateral agreement with with France and Germany to do that. Yep, and we've got to have 17 there are 17 countries in the world, America, Australia, all these places who've got these you know flying agreements with the eu and we're gonna have to redo all those deals as well because we're coming out of that and the americans are already pushing to give us a worse deal our mates it's special the special relationship (laughs) it's very special it's very very special so i mean let's you know all of this was supposed to be fantasy wasn't it remain as fantasies project fear part two it's all turning out to be true we're not going to be able to go away next next year, are we? I hate to say I told you so. <laughs> but I don't. I love to say I told you so. No, it's uh, staycations next year, I think. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you in Brighton. See you in Yarmouth. Yarmouth. We'll have to go to Yarmouth. Okay, more from Jerry later on, but on the phone now, back from the loving in Liverpool, on his way to the hating in Birmingham, it's my buddy Richard Porritt. How are you? Steve, I, I'm, I'm very well. How are you? I am good. I'm missing you. I'm missing you greatly. Well, likewise. I'm so, I, I, I mean, I'm not yet recovered. If I'm honest, I'm, 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 I'm fragile. Good, good. Well, that's that, that's good because it has. You, you've had a you've had a hell of a time, obviously already, and you, and you're going on <laughs> into into hell. Um, we'll talk about the Tories <laughs> and Labour in a minute. First of all, before you before we sent you to Liverpool, you you stopped off in Bolton. Just remind the the listeners why you were in Bolton. Ah, well, what what fun this was! So yes, I went off to to Bolton to what was formerly the Reebok Stadium, but I think it's now called the University of Bolton Stadium for um, the Leave Means Leave rally. Now I have to say, I expected this to be at pitch side but it wasn't it was in the bowels of the the premier lounge so it was all inside and um yeah it was me and at the very max uh, 2000 levers um and i was wearing my don't blame me i voted remain t-shirt um and yeah i was i i, I had the great pleasure of listening to kate hoey david davis and Nigel Farage. It was uh, it was quite an experience. That is, I mean, what a, what a treat you've had. I, I I I really like. I don't know if you saw this. There was a bloke um, interviewed outside this rally. On he was interviewed on Sky News, and they said to him, sort of, you know, what do you want? And he said, and I've written this down. He said, we want to hold our own and be able to control ourselves. And I don't. <laughs> I didn't know whether that was, you know, medical issues or. Or whether it was political um, thing, but what was the demographic like there? Because I'm I'm expecting it was a widely diverse uh, cross section of society. Well, it's funny you should ask that because I did do a little a little uh, count, a little a little head count of, uh, of, of people who maybe um, were a little bit more diverse than your your average leave means leave supporter yeah and there was uh, there was one black face and two asian faces um among the 2000 that was when they were seated 
um, and it was very, uh, it was very sort of middle-aged to elderly white man. Yeah. Um, there was, basically, they were tweed-wearing UK voters. Um, I mean, they were all perfectly polite, I have to say. There was a, there was a few more extreme elements. There was one guy in one of those Stone Island yeah. tops with the glasses in the hood. You know that? Yeah. Um, and the, he was sort of stalking around at the back. Um, but it, but apart from that, and apart from the gentleman from uh, For Britain, who handed me a leaflet when I first arrived, that's Anne-Marie Waters, yes. uh, new political party, I'm sure will um, you know, we'll soon be in, in government. Um, everyone else was perfectly polite. And I, I, you know, I introduced most people, told them who I was. That's kind of what we have to do as journalists, told them who I was working for. And they were... They weren't that sneery. They weren't sneery. I wouldn't have said they told me no uncertain terms what they thought of um, the publication and, uh, and my reviews and, and my T-shirt. But they were, they were, they were fine. I didn't get wrestled or punched or beer thrown at me. Um, they, they, they were, you know, they were, they were polite. Good. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Were there any surprises? I mean, I'm expecting obviously that there was a. A really barnstorming and detail-packed speech from David Davis. Well, I mean, David Davis, they got they got this wrong actually. So he he Kate came on last, on, didn't he? He came on last. So Kate was on first, yeah, and just did what she always did. She gave pretty much the same. I also went to the Labour League fringe event on I think it was Monday night, but who knows? The nights were sort of blended into one another, and she basically said exactly the same thing again. There, oh, it's so hard for me to be a Labour MP. Um, and be a lever, you know, sob, sob, cry, cry, um, and aren't I brave? And then, um, and then Nigel came on, and then, I, I mean, I think our views on Nigel are, are, are fairly well known. I don't think um, either myself or you need to go into them in great no. detail here. But he, he can, he can, he's a rabble rouser. I mean, he came on, he did a speech. What to that point had been quite a sedate meeting, actually. Um, and, and quite sort of friendly, and it turned into a Trump rally. And it, actually, one thing I must mention is the amount of people with um, Make America Great Hats and Stars and Stripes and uh, Trump stuff, there was quite a lot of people, I would say 50, 60 plus, with some kind of Trump merch. Um, and wow. when Nigel came up, yeah, when Nigel came up and spoke, then he, you know, he had them eating out of his palm, they loved it, they were out of there seats, they were clapping, they were whooping, um, and and then David Davis, David Davis came on and gave what, uh, I mean, <laughs> just killed the atmosphere immediately, he was talking about technical stuff, but he didn't, I wasn't convinced he had any grasp over, I have to say, um, and it, it felt more like a conference speech really, uh, you know, a sort of mid, mid-afternoon on a Monday conference speech, um, and it, it, it People were glad when that finished, I have to say. Uh, there was then a, a, a sort of brief Q&A, which um, Nigel dominated, and it wasn't yeah. particularly interesting. And I have to say, I was quite happy to dash out when that ended, get in the car and leave. Good. Well, you know, they'd be proud, because you are now a leaver, even if it is only from a leave, mean, leave uh, rally. I mean, well, no, it, I always was. I, I mean, I voted leave. Yeah. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to clip that out, aren't they? Yeah. I would like to say that is not true. Okay. Uh, Yes, you abstained, of course. Um, (laughs) Now, 
he stayed away from the UKIP conference, and obviously you are heading for the the Tory conference. And I w- I've been sat here just just now thinking, you know, I wonder if Nigel Farage sees himself rejoining the Tories. He was a Tory, of course, before he went off and, and formed UKIP, and maybe yeah. even playing a big role in a sort of post Checkers, post May, maybe post Split. Tory party, can you can you see Farage back in the Tories at some stage? You know, as it stands right now, no. I mean, we saw Brandon Lewis, the yeah. chairman. We saw his reaction to um, to old Wiggy and um, and Aaron Banks trying to trying to rejoin as part of this blue wave nonsense. Um, so right now, no, I can't see it. If the Tories are, um, if, if May falls, which is perfectly. Feasible, of course. Labour are talking about, you know, they are very much preparing for a November election. They, they, they're fairly convinced that we're going to have an election before Christmas. I'm not, but they are. Mm. Um, and, you know, if May was to fall uh, now or in the next 12 months, I think that's perfectly conceivable. Uh, either through good or bad, actually. I mean, it, could, it didn't, wouldn't necessarily have to be that she is toppled. I think that, I, I think that she's getting towards the end of her tether. She's got a very long tether, actually, hasn't she? Because I Hell of a tether. But, she, but um, you know, if, if Boris is the next leader, if we see um, big jobs for the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg, etc., and it is a, a Brexiteer takeover, whatever happens with the actual negotiations, then, yeah, I, can, I, can, I could see Nigel uh, coming back into the party. He's not very electable, though, is he? Let's be honest. No. He's tried on numerous occasions, and he's failed, even at the height of his... But a nice, um, safe Tory seat in Kent somewhere, you know, I mean... I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I I could see him rejoining the party. I could see him being a... a, a, You know, well, he's very vocal. He's never going to stop being that. Can I see him being a Tory MP? I'm not sure, sure about that. I think... And I also don't think he's going to suddenly get a... Get a peerage either, so I don't know. Maybe there's some role for him, but I, yeah. I think there are other people that the likes of Boris would prefer. And also, you've got to think that if Boris is the leader and he has had to promote the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg, they're two pretty big Brexit personalities. Does Boris really want Nigel Farage? You know, speaking from even the back benches, I would suggest probably not. He'd want to do it on his terms. And Boris also, he, he's blown by the political wind, so he he would want the ability to change his mind on this. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that he did when he was the mayor of London, mm. there was a lot of, there was a lot of fairly liberal internationalist stuff that he did there. It's only in, you know, fairly recent times that he's changed his tune. And my belief is that Boris is not nearly as Brexity as he makes out. He's doing it. And this, this makes it worse, by the way, in my opinion. He's doing it because he's desperate to be prime minister. Not yep. that he actually believes in it. That makes it worse. I almost got more time for Farage, who at least believes in it, even if it is completely bonkers, <laughs> divisive, and very, very dangerous. Too at least true. He believes in it. Too true. Um, I mean, is, is, I, I don't know what the running order is for the Tory conference. I, I know this is quite a term to use when you're talking about a Conservative Party conference, but what are you looking forward to? Well, Boris is going to speak on Tuesday. I think. I think that will. That's the. Is he uh, speaking to the main conference though, or is he just speaking no, no, in a room? He's a fringe event. He's certainly not welcome. Well, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got a fringe. Um, it's an event. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. Also, talking about, but I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. Um, so he's only coming up for the day. 
um, which which will hearten uh, Theresa May. That was certainly the last I heard. Obviously, this is Boris, and it all could change. Yeah. But um, as far as I'm aware, he is not even staying overnight. So he's coming on the Tuesday morning. He will speak at this um, a Brexit rally. They're calling them. Rally. We've had a few rallies this year. I mean, as well, you know, rallies everywhere. It's been yeah. a worrying word in politics, in my opinion. But he will speak at this rally. And um, you can expect from there there to be, you know, a lot of news lines and a lot going on. And, of course, the worry for Theresa May is that she will be, at the same time that Boris is, is speaking and, and dropping these bombshells, which I'm sure he will, um, she will be trying to brief to the likes of me and the rest of the media what is going to be in her speech the next morning. So her concern going to conference, I think, and her worry about that speech is that it's going to be overshadowed by what Boris says. I think there's every likelihood that happens. And Rhys Mogg, is he is he on? He's not on in the main room either, is he? Or is he? he no, no, he's not. So he will be. He will be. I mean, the main the main room is even. There are even you know high ranking um, or fairly high ranking uh, ministers and things who don't get much of a much of a look in in the, in the main room. So the likes of Jacob Rees Mogg won't be speaking in the main room. He will be as he did last year, holding court at the fringes, and there they are. Massively oversubscribed, very difficult to get into. You've got to sort of cram in the background. I remember last year I listened to one from around the corner. You know, there is a lot of um, a, a lot of interest in in Jacob uh, from the from the um, grassroots. So so he will be doing. I think he's doing a few fringes. I'm not entirely sure um, off the top of my head when or where they are, but he will be doing the, the fringe circuit definitely, and will be about, and will be doing the media circuit. I have no doubt about that. Okay, um, and the, and, the, and the, the, what, what they will try and do, you know, Boris and the Brexit wing is to, is to keep conference um, the, the themes of conference on their terms. Yeah, um, and what Theresa May will be doing in her front bench will be desperately trying to do is to talk about yes, talk about Brexit, but talk about other stuff as well. And that's been something that Labour have tried to do and, and pretty much failed. I mean, my views on the Labour Party conference that was that it was actually quite well organised. It seemed like. More than last year and more than previous years with Jeremy, it seemed like a conference for a party that perhaps could govern. Yeah. Um, just a little bit, so everything works all right. You get in and out nicely. The screens all work. Things that perhaps didn't work quite as well previously, and that's a reflection of the influx of money they've got from new members. Um, but it, it, it was it, there was the big elephant in the room throughout the whole thing was Brexit. Yes. And it overshadowed the whole conference because, of course, we had, is there going to be a debate? Is there going to be a vote? Well, it was. And that obviously, you know, the, perhaps the wording of the motion could have been stronger as far as, uh, excuse me, as re- remain as a concern. But nonetheless, it was there and there was a vote and conference voted in favour of that motion. So that's, that's something that we should welcome. But it wasn't until, and this was my moment of conference by, you know, easily, when Keir Starmer inserted into his speech those words that the, no one was ruling out an option to remain, that was when conference came to life. Mm. And and that, that was the big moment. And actually then go, it was a real positive feeling about conference um, after that, until Jeremy Corbyn got to his feet <laughs> and took the wind out of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure how he did it, but K- Kia rescued conference, I would still say. And I think, all told, it probably was a reasonably successful conference for Labour because they didn't, it wasn't a complete disaster. It was, yes. it could have been so much worse, actually. Yes. 
Keir Starmer, very clever politician, so I've got a lot of time for. Yes. Um, and I know that there are some frustrations from from listeners and readers and our lot and because he hasn't been able to do enough, but I think he's a lawyer. And he, uh, from the, from day dot, has seen his position as, as, a, as a long-term, he's had long-term goals. Yeah, yeah. And I really do think that he, he puts certain things in place, the tests, for example, and making sure that this motion was debated and really seeing it through and really being on top of his brief. And, and not going as far as to say certain things like John McDonnell has said and Len has said, always getting his language just just about right so that if, if we do get a people's vote, if we do get a second referendum and the country is given the chance to change his mind, I think he will be in a, in a really good position to, to move forward with Labour. And he might, I, after I interviewed him, um, I think we're going to hear the interview, aren't we? Yeah, we are, after yeah. I interview, or it's certainly a, a short snippet of it. After I looked at that interview, I left the room, there were some other journalists there. I turned and I said, do you know what? He might just save the Labour Party, Keir Starmer. He might just save the Labour Party. And, uh, I mean, it depends what left-wing candidate he's up against, of course, if, if, if and when there is a leadership contest. But he's a very, very clever politician, and I think someone that we uh, maybe want to scream at sometimes, you know, just say back at people's work, just say this, just do it. I think, I think he's on our side. I think that he realises that he can't come out and absolutely say everything that we want him to say. So I, my my plea to the listeners is just stick with Keir. I think he's I think he's um, I think he's got a very promising future ahead of him. Good. So just stick on the line there a minute, and now we're going to listen to your you 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 spoke to him where uh, at the conference in your did you go out for a drink with him or no, well I well actually I, did, I, did, I didn't go out for a drink with him but I did um, I did speak to him uh, in the in the in the, in the conference hotel on a number of occasions yeah and um, and I've I've interviewed Kia before and um, actually did a little bit of work with him back before he was a Labour MP. So I, 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 can't, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say we're friends or anything like that, but I certainly am an acquaintance of Keir. So we had a little bit of time with him um, on, uh, goodness, who knows, after his speech at some point during conference, but before Jeremy had spoken. I think the clip that you're going to hear, I was interested in uh, what Britain does uh, if he, you know, if if there was to be a general election and if Labour were to win, and of course I address this with him, those are two very big ifs. But if that was to happen, what he would do next, and indeed if there was anything that the Tories had done um, that he could build upon with regarding negotiations thus far. Great. Let's listen to that now. If there's a general election soon, and if Labour were to win, what would be the first thing the party would do with regards to Brexit on, on your first day in power? Oh, well, I think the first thing we would do is unilaterally guarantee the rights of EU citizens and put the um, three million people in this country who have been through um, the anxiety and agony of not knowing their position um, out of their um, uh, anxious state, out of their misery, so that they know what the position is. We'd obviously um, immediately um, uh, uh, look at the priorities um, going forward from there, but I think the first thing is to deal with those EU citizens. And would you but want to moment, extend? Sorry, to me, would you would you want to extend the transition period? You know, so you could start negotiating negotiations completely fresh. If the transition period sorry, needs, to, if the transition period needs to be extended, then there's only uh, one person the finger can be pointed at to the Prime Minister, because we've got so close to the deadline without a successful agreement. But if that if that timetable is put in jeopardy, um, then. Um, the blame lines lies with the Prime Minister. 
I don't know um, if there is a general election when it will be, because at the moment it looks like the October deadline for the summit is going to be missed, which means it could be November. Um, if November then becomes December, because there's a last-minute attempt to try again, um, and you're looking at January, February for a general election, if there is one, um, then that will affect the time frame. If, on the other hand, it happens earlier, perhaps not. But, it, I mean, it's a genuinely difficult question, because I don't know when the point is going to come where a general election might be um, an option on the table. Mm. But would Labour look to, 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 if there has been any progress thus far um, with negotiations, would it simply be throw it out, ask the EU if we can start again? Oh, we, as we said in our last um, uh, manifesto, we would completely rip up uh, the plan and approach that this government has insofar as it's got one. There's no question of Labour um, adopting the approach of this government. We would, I mean, and we made that very clear in our last manifesto. But if, it's a, if, we, if we do have a general election before Christmas or in the early months next year, then you know that, that the time that March 29th looks like. I mean, we'd it would be very tight. I accept that. that. I, you know, let, let's let's cross each bridge when we get there. But if we are in that scenario, that is the fault of the government in that we're only in this position because they can't agree. Mm. Uh, you know, and it is. It is an unreal situation that a Prime Minister is struggling because she doesn't have the authority to take the next step in the negotiations because her own party won't give her that authority. I mean, in ordinary circumstances, the Prime Minister would say, well, at least I've got my own... I don't, it doesn't much matter what the opposition think. I've got my own team behind me, and if it comes to a vote, we'll outvote them. And, that, and you'd be in a relative position of strength, and you'd back the opposition off and say, well, I, you know, they can say what they like. I'm negotiating, and I've got my own team to back me. And if I get a deal, they'll back me through it. We're only in this situation because... Um, and the deal will only fall if it's put to a vote, if our own party splits on it. And if our own party splits on it, um, that is an extraordinary position to find yourself in. OK, so what are we to make of that? Uh, well, I mean, I think, I think what Keir... And the, the wider point that he was, was trying to make was he, he doesn't want to... Um, really have a go at Theresa May too much. He, he he also said to me, I asked him if he felt sorry for Theresa May, and he said, no, he doesn't, because she's got herself into this mess. But he also does say that he he agreed with some of the... He agrees with certain things that she said regarding that he felt that the EU um, last week maybe, maybe didn't cover themselves in glory in the yep. way they behaved towards um, the Czech's proposal, and maybe... Some of this stuff shouldn't be done as in public as it is being done. You know, we should be keeping the public informed, but it, it turned into a bit of a, it, you know, it's like watching your mum and dad fight, isn't it? Well, you're out at some meal or something. It's, it's kind of a bit embarrassing. And I think there was some sympathy towards her, certainly from that. And I also think that he thinks um, that she's trying her best. She is trying her best. She's just not very good, you know. I mean, she, she's, she's not very good at doing it, but she is certainly trying her best, not through lack of effort. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think I think in that small clip that you've heard there and in the wider chats that I had with Keir and through that whole conference, I think he comes across as a sensible chap who, um, you know, who's pragmatic about this whole thing. I think he's, he'd absolutely love to be able to get the chance to negotiate a, a Brexit, but also, and he hasn't said this, I think what he'd much prefer is not to have to negotiate Brexit at all and to get us to a point where there yeah. isn't going to be a Brexit. Yeah. But obviously there are certain issues with that about Labour leavers, etc., etc., etc. 
So I think if he, I think he's, he, what he thinks is that if, if he has to negotiate a Brexit, then it would be a much better Brexit than Theresa May could do. And do you know what? Having spent a little bit of time around Keogh, knowing his background, of course, we mustn't forget that Keogh Starmer didn't just land from out of space and become a Labour MP. He's, he was the, um, the, uh, Director of Public Prosecutions. Yep, he was. Um, one of the, one of this country's leading lawyers for a long time. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's a very intelligent, very canny chap, but he's also very engaging. People like him. So I think if there has to be a Brexit, I know I'd rather negotiate it um, <laughs> when it comes to um, Dominic Raab or, or Keir Starmer. I, it's, a, it's a very clear choice as far as I'm concerned. OK, well, why don't you just go off and marry, you know, Keir Starmer then? Well, if that's I, the I way am you... a bit of a fanboy. I am a bit of a Keir you, Starmer I can tell. Fanboy. I can I tell. Am, I do like Kia. And I, t- and I tell a great story. I introduced him to a room, this is a good few years ago now, a room of nine female lawyers. And I, I brought him into the room and I said, yeah, oh, everyone, this is Kia Starmer. And they were all quite hard-nosed, you know, London, legal eagles. And the swooning that went on in that room, I've got to offer that he's a very, very handsome chap. He is a handsome chap. He is a handsome chap, but I feel that we're drifting apart now, and <laughs> Keir is, you know. Anyway, look, let's let's go back to the person who actually is negotiating Brexit, not not Ollie Robbins, of course, but Theresa oh. May. You are on your way to the fine city of Birmingham. Um, I am. Uh, a few nights out in Diggers, I, I would I would hope. Um, of course. And what does a what what does a successful Tory conference look like for Theresa May? Uh, well, if she can, it'd be good if she wasn't coughing and spluttering, and the background of the um, of the of the display on the stage doesn't fall down. And it'd be nice if maybe security made sure no, not very funny comics managed to get through this year. Yeah. I think. I, I mean, I felt be, a bit it's like got a Judy Finnegan to... moment, maybe. <laughs> oh goodness me! Let's hope not. Um, but I, I, I felt like. Um, I felt the same way about Labour as I feel about Tories, but, but it, it's certainly uh, heightened for the Tories. Labour, going in last week, needed to get through it without too many problems. There was always going to be some problems. You know, we saw John McDonald say it's been different from Keir. That was always going to happen. They've managed to get through it, even though it was a very poor leader speech, in my opinion. They've managed to get through it reasonably unscathed. Yeah. Now, if the Tories can manage that, it will be a huge success. My fear <laughs> it would be a them, miracle. It would be a miracle. In fact, you're absolutely right. My fear for them is that there are too many big beasts. We spoke about Rhys Mogg, we spoke about Boris. There are others as well who are more than happy to go and do the media rounds and just tear strips off yeah. the sort of stuff that's going to be said on the, on the, on the conference, uh, in the conference hall. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't see, I can't possibly see um, a, any circumstance where this party is going to be more united uh, this time next week after conference. The divisions are only going to get deeper yep. um, and they're going to get more painful. And I don't really know what Theresa May can do to stop that. I think to, to some extent she is powerless. I mean, we've spoken about how powerless she's been um, on numerous occasions before. But she has no control over former cabinet members, of course. 
backbenches now. But they have, they, this is the most powerful collection of backbenches, I think, probably, it's certainly in living memory, mm. um, on, on a, on, on a, in, in a government or even in an opposition. I yeah, mean, yeah. We, we've got lots of letters in, um, to, uh, Graham Brady, the 1922 chairman, who, from people who want her to resign. There are going to be lots of people with pens poised this week, ready to write their own letters. Um, unless she it, couldn't. Unless she's really good. And we know, for, you know, the, the very first MP I spoke to um, after that disastrous speech last year, political theatre like I've never seen, yeah. said to me that was embarrassing. And all I feel for Theresa May now is pity. And the last thing you want to feel for a Prime Minister is pity. pity. And he said she will be gone by Christmas. Now, there is a miracle that she is still in charge. That's a miracle in itself. Mm. But she's, with she's, all these she sticks around. Points, with all these pressure points, we saw um, we saw the, the summit um, 10 days ago or a week ago. Goodness me, I've been asleep and had beer to drink since then. It seems like a year ago. Um, and, and with conference and then with the negotiations probably going to be extended, there is so many pressure points for her to, to get through. And I was really surprised, actually, that the EU threw as much mm. shit at her as they did last yeah. week, because the last thing they want is Boris in charge. So I don't yeah, know if yeah. their thinking's changed. But, but mark my words, the Sunday papers will be, will be all uh, fronted by something Boris has said. Um, Absolutely. I strongly imagine that his Telegraph column will rip shreds off her as well. He's then going to speak on Tuesday... There is every possibility that this could be Boris Johnson's conference. I know from speaking to some of these people, some of the people who are around him, that there there is preparations going on for him to for him to be a big presence, even if he's not going to be there the whole time. So it, the spotlight is not going to be on Theresa May, and that's a worry going into a conference where you know your leader should be yeah. um, front centre. It's going to be on Boris. It's going to be on Jacob Rees-Mogg. It's going to be on other Brexiteers. Yeah, and. The Tories, I'm pretty certain, will spend three and a half days, four days, ripping each other's pieces. And I wouldn't like to predict what... It sounds <laughs> great. How many times do you think that she will say, I'm working for a good deal and I'm working in the national interest? Because I saw an interview with her, oh, when was this, Wednesday night? And I think she said a variation of those things about five times in three minutes. So that's right. That was the uh, when she because she's been in New York. Course, yeah, I think that was after the Bloomberg event. Um, she gets stuck up on these little. She people, does. You know, politicians things to take, and, and uh, from their from their advisors and from the press people, she gets a couple stuck in her head, and she just repeats them. I mean, we saw that obviously famously with. Um, Strong and stable, and Brexit means Brexit. Yeah. And it, it seems that she's got another couple that she's relying on. I, I, I really hope that um, some of the some of the people who are around her, who are, who are better than the people who were around her, if I'm without wanting to be too brutal on anyone who's worked for her previously, but they are, they're a better team now yes. than they were in the general election, and 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 even this time last year, they were still trying to get a hold of number ten. Really, yeah, and um, it was still. They were still reworking it. They're, they're better now, but it is damage limitation. What I would really like from Theresa May is for her to start being a bit more pragmatic about Brexit. You know, the Chequers deal is dead. Um, that, it can't go forward. Uh, so if she comes out and, and carries on banging on about the Chequers deals throughout this entire conference, then 
I, I don't know where we go. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think what she she's taking it to the pet cemetery. She's trying to reanimate it. <laughs> she needs to say. She needs to say, okay, you don't like checkers deal. The party don't like the checkers yeah. deal. This is my on idea Wednesday, for an order. On Wednesday during my speech, I shall outline yeah, to yeah. you what we're going to do to sort that out. That would be a that would be a game changer. Percentage chance that she gets booed. What do you think the percentage chance is that I she gets think, booed? I do. I, I do. Zero percent. I think, I think, I think, I, well, I wouldn't say zero, because even wilder things have happened. 10% chance that she gets booed. What's uh, the no, percentage? I don't think, I don't think so. Maybe a, a small percentage. I just think that the, the Tory party conference, actually, is a, a very polite affair. And, um, and I, I think it's highly unlikely that the grassroots, even if they disagreed with her, would, would go that far. But hey, who knows? You know that would be fantastic. It that would be. be. It would be a great moment. And what? Um, and and the. I mean, the percentage chance that you are going to be dancing at this event is a hundred percent. What is the percentage chance that she does some dancing on stage during her speech, or you know, after you know her what? speech? The best thing she. The best thing she's done in the last few months is dance. Yes, um, exactly. It, it, it warmed all of our hearts. I think love her or indeed love her. Not many people who love her, of course. <laughs> It was. The, I'm sure that her aides, when she started dancing the first time, they went, went "Oh my God, they what like that." And, yeah. And and then and then obviously she got a fairly good reaction. So they were saying to her, "Dance, dance some more." And I was chatting to a journalist, actually, a, a good friend of mine, who was out uh, with her on that trip, and he said, "We just couldn't believe it when she started. And as soon as we watched the footage back, we went, this is brilliant for her. Yeah, People yeah, are going to yeah. love this.' And so yes, I mean, obviously." I will be dancing. There will be, um, as I was dancing at the Party Conference. Um, but my dancing is, I have to say, I mentioned my dancing before. If you go on my Twitch feed, you can watch my dancing. It's, um, it, it, it's probably worse than Teresa's, but, um, I think I would advise her, Teresa, if she's listening, very unlikely, but if she is, do some dancing. Yeah, I think she's. I think it's eighty percent chance she's going to dance. Okay, I will catch up with you next week, my friend. Enjoy. I will be back next week. I will be back next week. Thank you and uh, enjoy Tory Party Conference. And here's a reminder that you're listening to the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group. Their campaign, LabourSay.eu, secured a debate on Brexit at the Party Conference. It changed Labour policy to back a People's Vote this week. Sign up to join them on People's vote march on the 20th of October at laboursay.eu and now we're back 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 with Jerry Scott so back with Jerry Scott um Jerry you've heard what Richard's got to say there about um about Liverpool Labour avoided any major disasters Corbyn's speech you know he didn't think it was that great but he did think it was a, a decent conference and certainly it played well to the people in the room how did it play to you yeah it, it was it was fine is it, i think what would what i'd describe it as which i know isn't a ringing endorsement but also it could have been much worse mm. so you know maybe that's a win i still don't and we'll come on to this in a minute i'm sure feel completely kind of assured or safe um you know, it was a big announcement, wasn't it, about about their kind of their kind of turn on Brexit. But um, but you know, it was yeah, just just okay from me, just okay. Lots of business as usual. I mean, the big question is, 
can you trust the leadership? Well, you know, all of this work has gone in. The composites uh, have been, you know, the composite meeting went on late into the night. Richard uh, Angel from our sponsors at, at Progress has uh, written about this in this week's New, New European newspaper. There's a load of work has gone in from Progress, from other people. Um, and um, do you, but do you trust the leadership to carry this out? So I think. I think I uh, want to and do believe what Keir Starmer yep. was saying. I, I truly think that he's got well, um, his head screwed on. Keir Starmer first, so Perhaps. you need to oh, wait in line. Beat me to him, I know. Um, do you know what? I'm still so sceptical of Jeremy Corbyn. I just can't shake it. This is someone who, since his student days, has not changed his views. He's been steadfast throughout his political career and his views. So him as a Remainer is a really uncomfortable concept mm. for me um you know he's been described as a staunch brexiteer by kate hoey um he's always voted to oppose european expansion um his own brother Piers once said that he only backed remain as a party management operation yep. i just i find it so difficult to think that he's kind of changed yeah changed his spots now um you know it dates right back to the 1975 referendum when he said no to joining the EEC it's this is a man who doesn't change his views hasn't changed his views easily and now we're being expected to believe that he might have done yeah I I think the motion was a bit fudged um Mm. yeah you know saying that they could offer a second referendum if Theresa May doesn't call it early general election it kind of fell a bit short of a clear leave remain vote I think it really shows the conflict at the leadership, and I think that's why I'm not 100% comfortable and still don't quite trust them as a Remainer. Yeah, I mean, what about the the, the, the sort of, you know, we saw Keir Starmer, didn't we, yeah. who, who uh, we Richard, uh, we've just heard him, in fact, and, um, and uh, we saw Keir Starmer, say, you know, add in the words about Remain, to, unscripted, you know, he added, that wasn't written down, he wasn't supposed to say, with an option to Remain. But that seemed to come as a response to... Uh, John McDonnell basically saying there won't be an option to remain. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And then after he spoke, um, after Keir spoke, Steve Turner, who is Len McCluskey's mm-hmm. deputy, and Len McCluskey had already ruled out, you know, even before the start of the conference, an option to remain. Steve Turner basically, I think, said, we're not going to have an option to remain, despite what Keir has just said. And just that complete confusion and mm. kind of conflict is exactly why I can't be like, yeah, this I get behind this now. Like, this is great because I don't trust that it won't change again in a week. I don't trust that it won't change again in a day. Yes. I think there's so much kind of unruliness between the different factions of Labour. You know, you've got momentum coming into coming into play as well, which, by the way, I hear was a lot... Um, the, the momentum fringe events were a lot more kind of... Um, well received this year and things ran more smoothly and coherently um i just i just i just can't i can't trust it i've been burned too many times before steve i know i know <laughs> i've been hurt before i know it's uh yeah and I, I just wonder whether they are really listening to their members and momentum about party democracy or like another party leader that we we know and love they're cherry picking <laughs> <laughs> the bits of party democracy that they like. We like all the bit about being able to get rid of people who we disagree with. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's worrying for, for me. Rebecca Long-Bailey, 
uh, was on um, Radio 5 Live. I think I heard her on Wednesday night at the end of the conference, mm. and she was basically saying, and Labour, we know, are obsessed with this idea that there will be a general election in November. Yeah. They really believe that that is going to happen. Um, I almost thought it might the other day with Theresa May's announcement, yeah, non-announcement. Non-announcement, <laughs> yes, exactly, which was ludicrous, wasn't it? Yes. But she has said, we won't have time to put the... If we have a general election now, we won't have time to put a people's vote in it. No. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Why? I, you know, it's what what we on now. End of September, plenty of time. What are you doing for a month? Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like they've got the manifestos printed up, No, no, absolutely not. She, she said it was, you know, I mean... Well, maybe they have. Maybe they're so sure there's going to be a general election in November, they have had the manifestos put in. They have done it. (laughs) They're just going to press a button and they're going to go into full-on campaign mode. It's it's amazing. She said, you know, it's it's hypothetical, the second referendum. It would only happen in a very extreme set of circumstances. We are in extreme circumstances, aren't we? We really are. Quite right. I do find it all a little bit. Uh, depressing and worrying, and I think that the you know a lot of the good work is, is is being fudged, and you know it's fair enough. These people actually don't believe in it, and I'd rather they came out and said they didn't believe in it. Yep. But you know it's it's kind of depressing to hear. Um, let's have a word about the um, a word about the the, the Tories. Um, what do you expect from the Tories in Birmingham? Um, much of the same, to be honest. If we're looking at that um, speech Theresa May gave um, the other day with the lectern, it's a full-on lectern one. That's why I was so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lectern was bought out and everything. They were running late because the power failed in the room that they yeah. were in. Um, I thought she was going to announce, you know, either a um, snap election or maybe even a resignation. But but no, um, I think it's clear that she's going to stick to that line. I think you'll have you know, the people like the ERG kind of making trouble on the sidelines and lots of whisperings. But I really think it's going to be much of the same. Much of the same. Now, Porritt is betting that she's not going to get booed at the conference by her own people, but she we will get to see her doing her Theresa May awkward dance. Yes, I think she'll do her dance, 100%. It's gone down brilliantly. She'll be dancing. There'll I... be a disco. I think she'll be dancing. I think she might even try and do it on stage and try and, yeah, yeah. But, of course, as we know, a, you know, a pants elastic might go. Oh you know, her head, she might spontaneously combust. <laughs> Who really can, can say what is going to happen at the Tory party conference? Um, I'm at a bit of a loss to, to, to know what to do here because it's usually at this time every week that a thin Yorkshireman says, Steve, tell us who the Brexiteer of the week is. So can you do the honours? Can you ask me? Oh, absolutely. Steve, can you tell us who is this week's Brexiteer of the week? Well... Brexiteer of the Week. Well, here are the Brexiteers of the Week, and I want to start with a guy called Jeremy Hosking. He's a multi-millionaire, uh, he's a steam locomotive enthusiast, and he appears to be stoking up trouble for Theresa May with suggestions that he might bankroll a new pro-leave party, which is named Brexit Express. 
all the signals so far suggest that he is in the, on the wrong track. And I, I'm going to apologise now. There will be more train puns during this bit. Now, Jeremy Hosking launched this campaign with a poll of uh, oh, just over 4,000 voters in seats held by Tory Remainers like Anna Soubry and Dominic Grieve. And Comres trumpeted that the findings of that poll, uh, which they ran, showed that voters want MPs to stick to manifesto promises and see the full Brexit through. Now... Um, was this just the ticket for the Brexiteers? Well, don't get sidetracked. Maybe they're just blowing smoke. All of those polled said that back in 2016, they had voted 52% to 48% to remain. So a little bit different, more pro-remain than the actual result, uh, which was obviously 52-48 the same way. So they voted in 2016, they'd voted 52-48%. What did they say now? They said now that they would back staying in the EU by forty six by fifty six percent to forty four percent. That's a massive vote of confidence in Anna Soubry and Dominic Greaves' refusal to be railroaded. For Hosking, though, it's all very reminiscent of the train wreck that was the 2017 general election campaign. Back then, he gave funds to 80 candidates who were trying to unseat pro-Remain MPs who were in pro-Leave constituencies. He managed to get rid of just four, and he wasted tens of thousands of pounds in the process. So, how long before Hosking and his Brexit Express comes to the end of the line? Boris Johnson next, and according to The Sun, the former Foreign Secretary's new uh, chum, Carrie Simmons, has nicknamed him Bozzy Bear. And isn't that interesting that Boris Johnson reminds her, reminds her of a Muppet who thinks he's God's gift to comedy, but it's actually completely unfunny. Um, you need a strong stomach for this bit. His nickname uh, by her, given by her, is Bozzy Bear. His nickname for her is Otter, and this possibly explains a recent column that he wrote for the Daily Telegraph in which he praised otters, and I'm quoting here, their thrilling, musky, fishy aroma. Shall we come on to Graham Stringer now? He's the Brexiteer MP for Blakely and Broughton in Manchester. He uh, was at uh, the Labour Party conference. He went to a Labour Leave meeting. Uh, our friend Richard Porritt was also there. He told that meeting not to worry about EU nationals quitting the uh, the NHS because we could just bring in nurses from the Philippines instead. What an amazing idea. But last year, Gillingham's Medway Maritime Hospital tried to do just that. They have got, they had at the time rather, they had 394 full-time nursing vacancies. That's incredible, isn't it? 394 nursing vacancies at one hospital. They flew over 52, uh, 59, I'm sorry, Filipino nurses to fill some of those 394 vacancies. And 52 of them went on to fail their English language test and they weren't allowed to uh, to take part in, in work. They weren't allowed to, to, to join uh, the, the hospital in Gillingham, which had obviously wasted a huge amount of time and money to, to get them over there. So the idea that we're just going to replace people who've been in our health service helping us, being part of our communities for years and years with people that we jet in is a non-starter, but not for uh, Graham Stringer. Um, do you know what he thinks is a non-starter? Is the People's Vote campaign. He said that Labour conference, this week's Labour conference, had killed off the People's Vote campaign. And Graham Stringer should really know about campaigns which get killed off. Graham Stringer is a Manchester United fan. And from about 2011, 2010 onwards, he was leading a, a what was a long-running push for Sir Alex Ferguson to be made a Labour peer when he re finally retired from football management. And it turned out that... 
Sir Alex Ferguson did finally retire from football management. In, uh, uh, quit Old Trafford. That was at the end of the 2013 um, season. He was offered a peerage by the Labour Party and he turned it down. A great campaign from Graham Stringer there. But the Brexiteer of the week, and we've not mentioned this name for a long time, is a guy called uh, Leo McKinstry. If you are unaware of Leo McKinstry and his works, go to the Daily Express website. Uh, You might want to use plastic gloves and all of that kind of stuff. He is the nicknamed the Brexit Dalek. He's a columnist for the uh, Daily Express. His work is Express Online. He's called the Brexit Dalek because... His columns, when you read them out in the tinny voice of Doctor Who's deadly enemy, they sound worryingly authentic. They actually sound like Dalek scripts. And he's really excelled himself uh, with a new column attacking the People's Vote campaign. Now, I could do this myself, but I want to read out some... I wanted to read out some highlights from Leo McKinstry's recent column about the People's Vote campaign. Um, And I thought I would get a... A Dalek of my acquaintance to do it. So, so just just wheel yourself into the studio, and then can you just read out the best bits of Leo McKinstry's recent column? The Ramones are shrill. They are dreary, arrogant, laughable, cocooned in their smug echo chamber, profoundly snobbish, ignorant bigots, cynically cloaking their bitterness, marinated in their federalist ideology and gripped by contempt for the public will. Their disdain for democracy can be found in all of their machinations. The people's vote campaigners are not nearly as clever as they imagine. The Remainers like to bleat about the alleged chaos of Brexit, but their own laughable miasma of voting possibilities is a recipe for terminal confusion. They are still hopelessly deluded. Exterminate, 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 exterminate. Okay, just calm down there for a second, but... All of that, apart from the last bit that he just put in, was was all written by Leo McKinstry. And I love the fact that Leo McKinstry thinks that we are all hopelessly deluded on our side. It really would sound much more convincing if, a week earlier, Leo McKinstry hadn't written a column about austerity which was headlined, Why the gloom? We've really never had it so good. Why the gloom? We've really never had it so good. So the Brexiteer of the week is the Brexit Dalek, Leo McKinstry. Brexiteer of the week. So the Brexit Dalek is is the Brexiteer of the week, just in time for retur- the return of, uh, of Doctor Who, of course. Beautiful. Are you excited about this? It's almost like I planned it that way, isn't uh, it? Funny a that. cynic could could say. It's as if some kind of planning and organisation goes into these podcasts. Mm, well, let's, let's not get giddy about <laughs> that. Are you excited about the female Doctor Who? Yeah, I really like Jodie Whittaker. Actually, I think she's really, really good. Um, I think she's going to be really good at it. And she's so excited as well. You can tell by the interviews she's doing, she's super, super keen. Yes, she is. I, I really like Jodie Whittaker as well. I think she's terrific. She's from um, Skelmanthorpe, which is near Huddersfield, which is is Porrick country, actually. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what the locals call Skelmanthorpe? I don't. You, do you not know this? No. It, they, call it, they know it as shat. Good, excellent. People say, are you from shat? <laughs> and it is not as bad as it sounds. It is because local people um, used to... The, the, the people of Skelmanthorpe, when they built the railways out there, they, the people of Skelmanthorpe got the job of breaking all the rocks... Uh, up and so they were the shatterers uh, during oh, the excavation. Okay. They excavate for the train line, uh, level it all out, and then they would shatter the rocks. The people, so they were so known as shat. Um, I'm very excited about Doctor Who. Something I'm also very excited about is SteadyHQ.com. Oh. Uh, 
you can go there, you can fund the New Europeans' work to st uh, stop Brexit. If you go to that website, steadyhq.com, and you search for the New European, you can pick a plan uh, which will help us uh, go on uh, sticking it to the Brexiteers. You'll get great free merch as well. And these three lovely people, um, they did that this week. They went on steadyhq.com and gave to the New European. Yeah, thank you, Jed Smith, Roz Bowden and Grant Valentine. All great names thank and great you. people for going on there. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. SteadyHQ.com. Search for New European. Uh, please give to our work to support Brexit. It's really uh, to support Brexit. Christ, no, no, to get rid of Brexit. <laughs> okay, Jerry, tell the fine people uh, what they can do now. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, rate us on your whatever you're listening to us on, whether it's you know iTunes, Acast, whatever. Get, give us five stars. Follow us on Facebook and join our Facebook group to get yep. lots of discussions about what's going on with Brexit or just to vent your anger at, uh, at whatever is happening on that day. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Jerry, like the Spice Girl, underscore E, underscore L, underscore Scott. You can follow Porrit. It's just at Porrit. Or you can follow Steve. What are you at, Steve? I'm at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Follow course. us all at you the New You can follow European. European as well. Um, so, yeah, that was that's us. That's us, and, and I guess that, in a very real sense, was the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, or Progress if you prefer, the centre-left Labour uh, pressure group. Uh, last week they changed Labour Party policy on Brexit. Next week they are building for the People's Vote March on the 20th of October. You can find out more about all of that uh, at laboursay.eu now, laboursay.eu, go there now. And this is Steve Anglesey signing off. Jerry Scott signing off. Signing off. Uh, Steve Anglesey signing off. And in that spirit of that terrible U2 live track, I can't even remember which it was, where Bono shouts, Edge, play guitar. I mean, what else is Edge going to do? Is he going to you know, make the tea or whatever? This week, it's not Porrit, but it's me who gets to say, Campbell, play bagpipes. Here you go. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.